And welcome on it to CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey here with you on this Wednesday. Thank you. Appreciate you for joining us on this Wednesday and making us a part of your evening. Hopefully it's been a good one. Had a dentist appointment early this morning, which could have really sent the day in two directions. Early in the morning could have made the rest of the day horrendous or could have really got, you know, kind of got the day going in a good, uh, good start. And I will say it was a positive dentist trip. No cavities. Blood wasn't spewing everywhere. I have, not to brag, I've done a better job. Now, clearly nowhere near up to the dentist standards, but better job at flossing. So watch out, your boy, beacon of health when it comes to the mouth. We're all clear, no pain, no cavities, a productive dentist trip. So it was a good Wednesday for yours truly. Hopefully it's been a good Wednesday for you as well. Either way, thank you for making us a part of your night right here, CBS Sports Radio. I think one of the most underutilized but effective ways to improve a team in the NFL is this. Trading for a head coach. Now, it rarely happens. We just saw it last offseason with the Broncos and Sean Payton, but that was more the anomaly, right? Not the, the rule, if you will. But I think it's an effective tool more teams have to embrace, more teams have to explore. And as we look at start to look ahead for the rest of this season and kind of projecting a little bit to the offseason... I think two teams that would greatly, greatly benefit from trading uh, for a head coach this offseason are the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. Like, if you were the Patriots, the perfect fit for your team going forward here is Mike Vrabel. And if you're the Bills, I think how you get Josh Allen back on track and get this entire team back on track is by trading for Brian Dayball. Both of those head coaching hires, or head coaching trades, I should say, I think we home runs. And I'm more than willing, especially even with the Patriots' top five pick, it looks like, I would give up a first-round pick to bring either coach to my team to kind of help me get going here moving forward. I think that's a, that's a win-win. But especially if you're the Bills and especially if you're the Patriots, those are the two perfect trades you need to make to get your organization back on track. Trading for a head coach. Like, you look at the case of Mike Vrabel. I mean, is he not the perfect fit right now for what the Patriots need? I think Mike Vrabel is the best coach in the NFL when it comes to getting more out of less. Like, no one squeezes more talents out of their team than Mike Vrabel does with his Titans team. And look at the last few years. This team is not loaded with talent. They don't have an elite quarterback. They have a 1970s offense where they run the ball, run the ball a ton, physical, ground and pound, give Derrick Henry the rock 35 times and just wear you down physically along with a physical defense that can get after you. But they really, in an air raid, up-tempo offensive era we're in right now in the NFL, The Titans have thrown it back to old-school football, run it down your throat, slow the game down, and make it more of a rock fight than a track meet. Partly, I think Vrabel had to do that because of the lack of talent, and you're not going to just go into Arrowhead Stadium and outgun Mahomes and Andy Reid. Part of that's out of necessity. 
Part of that also, though, is catering to the offensive personnel you have. Again, Frapel's no dummy. He's not going to ask Ryan Tannehill to drop back 50 times and win the game with his arm. He smartly has realized our key to success is running the rock. Sure, three, four throws a game we need Tannehill to make. But for the most part, run the ball, bleed the clock, play tough defense. And that philosophy got the Titans to the AFC title game in 2019. Got them the number one seed in 2021, which even more impressively, they did with Derrick Henry missing half the year, which is insane. Like Derrick Henry out for half the year for the Titans is the equivalent of any team with a quarterback, an elite quarterback missing half the year. Right? If the Chiefs didn't have Patrick Mahomes for eight games, or the Bengals couldn't have Joe Burrow for nine games, or the Eagles were missing Jalen Hurts for an extended amount of time. Like you get the point. That was the equivalent of Derrick Henry's injury for Tennessee, yet they still won games and were the number one seed in the playoffs. Now, they lost to the Bengals, but still had a lot of regular season success despite missing their best player. So Mike Vrabel has been the king of doing more with less. That's what the Patriots need. That's what Bill Belichick can't do. There's a reason why the Patriots have, for the most part, fallen off a cliff since Tom Brady left. Partly is there's no talent on the roster. Other part is Bill Belichick doesn't know how to get the most out of a not a talented roster. Can't squeeze blood from a rock. Doesn't know how to coach guys when he's not coaching a Hall of Fame quarterback. And so right now, if you're New England, like you need two things, right? You need talent infusion. We also need a coach that knows how to get the most out of the roster he has. And like the talent infusion for New England is not happening overnight. Sure, they're going to have a top pick in this upcoming draft. But you look around the roster, like they need a new quarterback. Yes. Do they need additions on the offensive line? Yes. Do they need new receivers? Yes. Do they need help on defense? Absolutely. Like out of what, 22 starters on the offensive defense combined? I mean, if I say the Patriots could use an upgrade at 16 of the 22, is that being dramatic? I don't think so. So you, the, the point is you need a lot of help. Right? You need a lot of help at a lot of different positions. So it's not just their quarterback away or, oh, we need one wide receiver or we need, oh, one offensive lineman in the draft. We got a top pick. We get that guy and all of a sudden now, boom, we're smooth sailing. Patriots need a lot of help. That talent infusion... That roster turnover is not happening in the span of one offseason. And so bringing Mike Vrabel in can not only help you do more with less, but also allow you the patience to where you can have a head coach be competitive with a roster that really shouldn't be. Bill Belichick can't do that right now. And I think Mike Vrabel would. So if I'm Robert Kraft, I think at this point it's foregone conclusion, right? Bill's not back. He's not back in 2024. I'd be shocked. Uh, I'd be shocked. I was going to say shocked and surprised in one. I'm trying to create a new word. I would be surprised and I'd be shocked. It's time for a reboot. And so if you're going to trade Bill, let's say, or fire Bill at the end of the year, I think the move you make is trading for Mike Vrabel. I know he comes with the Belichick tree. So it's kind of one of those, well, I guess really not a tree. He didn't really coach under him too much. It was more with the Texans. And now, as we saw, um, 
with the Titans, still played under him, though, so you can, there is a fear, I would say, of, oh, just another Belichick disciple. Here we go. Vrabel, though, has shown enough on his own to where you can feel good of. This is not just Bill Belichick 2.0. Mike Vrabel has his own system. He's got his own philosophy. He's his own man. It's not Eric Mangini or Joe Judge trying to be Bill Belichick 2.0. Mike Vrabel is the answer for the Patriots in 2024 and beyond. And if you're the Bills, who are a lot closer to playoff and Super Bowl contention right now than their counterparts in New England, uh, you too not only should fire your head coach and Sean McDermott, but trade for a head coach. And who better to bring in than the only guy that's really been able to, let's say, corral Josh Allen. Right, Josh Allen's a wild animal right now. Some games are great. Some games are all over the place. Other games, he's turning the ball over left and right. He's unpredictable. He's uncontrollable. At least Brian Dable, though, when he was there in Buffalo, was able to not only develop Josh Allen, but improve Josh Allen. Limit the mistakes Josh Allen would consistently make. That offense in 2020 and 2021 when Dable was there looked a lot better, a lot more efficient, a lot potent than the offense we've seen Ken Dorsey run in 2022 and now halfway through 2023. I would absolutely trade a first-round pick if I'm Buffalo to bring Brian Dayball back, make him the head coach, the only guy that's seemingly been able to find out with Josh Allen how to, again, not eliminate, not eliminate, but limit the turnovers, the crazy plays, the, oh, why would you do that? Oh, no, sort of moments you get from Josh Allen that he delivers seemingly at least once a game. Now, this year, it seems like two, three, Four times a game. But Dayball, I think, gets Allen. He knows how to work with Allen. That, to me, if you are the Bills, that is your best bet going forward here to getting things back on track in the right way. McDermott is not the the guy that's going to be there long-term. He's not the answer to get this bad season turned around. This is not, I don't think, an anomaly. I think this is honestly a confluence of a lot of different areas for Buffalo that are now all rearing their ugly heads at the same time. And I don't think firing Ken Dorsey as OC is going to really change anything with his offense or the trajectory of this team. I don't think they're making the playoffs, and I don't think they're finishing over 500. Look at the schedule. What's a gauntlet? I think we're talking about an 8-9 and nine Bills team when it's all said and done at the end of the year. And if you're the Bills, you're firing McDermott. I think your answer has to be a guy who is proven, a guy you know can have success with Josh Allen on this offense, who, by the way, coincidence or not, Stephon Diggs was a lot happier and a lot quieter when Dayball was there compared to when Dayball left, and all of a sudden last year, he's freaking out, he's lashing out, he's fighting with McDermott. This year, Diggs has been a lot more animated. A lot more vocal about his displeasure since Dayball walked out the door to become the Giants head coach compared to when Dayball was calling the place. Some harmony, some peace, I think, would do Buffalo well. I think also if you are the other two teams we're talking about here, because it does take two teams, and this really, because I'm talking about trading for two different coaches, four teams to make this happen, right? It takes two to tango, it takes, in this case, four to tango, for both these head coaches to be traded, I think it makes sense if you are both the Titans and the Giants to trade your head coach right now. If you're Tennessee, you're in a rebuild. 
I know you got Will Levis, and you're trying to see if he's the guy, but Derrick Henry is a free agent at the end of the year. I don't think you should resign him. I think at this point, you let him walk. He's going to be 30 years old, and you try to revamp your offense to get more into the 2023 style. I think you need more receivers. You need help on the offensive line. Like, you need, even if you feel good about Will Levis going forward, you are still not close to competing where next year we're talking about them making the playoffs. So there's still, there's still some retooling and revamping here that Tennessee needs to make, and it's going to be years, I think, before they're back in the playoff and Super Bowl conversation. So you take a first-round pick. In this case, if you trade Mike Vrabel to the Patriots, you get back a top-five pick? Yeah, you're feeling pretty damn good about making that trade and having two first-round picks in a year where you're looking to rebuild and add talent. That is a massive boost and a massive help to this team. And if you're at the Giants, you're kind of a no-man's land. You're honestly in hell. You are in NFL hell. Look at where they are. They stink. Right now, I think it's they have the second overall pick in the draft if the draft started tomorrow. Just two wins on the year. You paid Daniel Jones last year. He has been hurt and ineffective. Guess what? You ain't getting out of that contract this upcoming offseason. So you have Daniel Jones, who just tore his ACL, is going to be back next year no matter what. You have an offense that, while having the number two overall pick, seems enticing to get a quarterback and getting Caleb Williams or Drake May. You need equal help on your offense. Offense line has been very bad. Very bad. Now, injuries are a part of that. This offense line absolutely could benefit from a top five pick. This receiver room could benefit from adding a top five pick. Their defense could benefit from adding a top five pick. So they need help across the roster. They're not a quarterback away. They're not a receiver away from getting back to the playoffs. And so they are in a little bit of a transition where Daniel Jones is not the future, but he's here. It's kind of like the Cardinals with Kyler Murray last year. There's questions about Kyler Murray's future. Tears his ACL, unfortunately, late in the year. Misses half the year this year. Because of the contract and the injury, you weren't trading him if you're the Cardinals last offseason. If you're the Giants, you're not trading Daniel Jones this upcoming offseason with an ACL injury and that big contract. So you're stuck in really football hell right now. And so getting an extra first-round pick, granted, it's not going to be great. Maybe the middle teams from Buffalo. But getting a first-round pick, and now having two chance in the first round to get some talent, maybe take a quarterback and then take a receiver, take a quarterback, take a defensive back, however you want to match it up, but add talent to your team and start having a succession plan going forward, I think it would make sense for you to trade Dayball for a first-round pick. So we don't see trades for coaches a lot. But if you're the Patriots, you absolutely, if you want to get your franchise turned around, should trade for Mike Vrabel. If you're the Bills, you want to get back on the winning track, back on the Super Bowl track, you got to trade for Brian Dayball. Bring Brian back, bring Mike back, and get both of those teams back on the winning track. The answer, again, is underutilized, but very effective when done. Trading for a head coach. Patriots, Bills, got to do it this offseason. Got to do it. That is their answer 
to getting out of each of the holes that they have dug themselves. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. And Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Is it time for the Patriots? Should they make a trade? Should they get rid of Bill? And if they do, is trading for Mike Vrabel the best answer? If you're the Bills right now, who you fire OC, I think Sean McDermott's days are numbered. Is trading back for Brian Dayball the best answer for you? 855-212-4227. We'll get your thoughts and also when we return. This weekend in college football, it's an app. Absolute disgrace. Everyone, not everyone, most associated with the sport should be ashamed of themselves. I'll explain why when we return. It is Ryan Hickey, yours truly, with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio, a topic that does not get enough attention. Coach trades. We talk about quarterback trades, receiver trades, defensive back trades, The one trade we don't talk enough about and I don't think is used enough in the NFL is head coaching trades. Broncos, we just saw, just did. I know it's a little different when Sean Payton was retired and the Saints had his rights, but again, he wasn't ever coming back to New Orleans. So I get technically it was a coach trade, but again, it wasn't like he was on the sidelines for New Orleans and they traded him and now all of a sudden he's on the sidelines for Denver the following season. A little bit different. But I think coaching trades are the answers for two teams right now spinning their wheels going forward in the Patriots and the Bills. Patriots should trade for Mike Vrabel. Guy who does more with less, which is exactly what you need right now to coach the Patriots. I think the Bills, in order to get themselves back on track, should trade for Brian Dable. Bring him back. Free him from the Giants, but also to bring back the one guy that has been able to get the most out of Josh Allen while somewhat, again, not completely, but somewhat limiting his bad decision-making and limiting his turnovers. So look around, like the answers for some teams right now that are stuck, especially when looking for the next head coach, the answer is not in college. The answer is not a coordinator. The answer is not a fired head coach. The answer is right in front of you. Currently employed head coaches, make the call, make the trade. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. We talked about the Bills. I think they should trade for Brian Dayball. Maybe this is Brian Dayball on the line. We go to Brian. Now, not in New York. He's in Toronto. Hello, Brian. How are you? What's going on, man? I, I got to agree with you. I think it's time for a change in Buffalo. Um, this team reached its peak when Dable was there. Um, I think it would be a breath of fresh air. And if you, if you look back at when the Bills played the Giants this year, and I will remember the handshake between McDermott and Dable, it was like a cold handshake. And it just, it's time for a change. If you look at all the careless mistakes this team has gone through, the 13 seconds disaster in KC, mm-hmm. the too many men on the field. And at the end of the day, you have, it has to come back to coaching eventually. And if you look at the NFL, there is this trend of hiring offensive-minded coaches. I think we're the only team in the NFL that has a defensive-focused coach. So I would definitely welcome a change in Buffalo. 
for the wonderful people of Buffalo. I hear you, Brian. Now, there are other defensive head coaches. Preacher, sure the call buddy, Robert Sala, comes to mind with the Jets as one in terms of, you know, a defensive background as head coach. The Bills are not the only one. But the Bills, off the top of the head, in terms of Super Bowl contenders, we thought going into this year, the Bills are the only team in that category with a defensive mind head coach. Like Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers, Nick Sirianni with the Eagles, Andy Reid with the Chiefs, Zach Taylor with the Bengals. Like a lot of these teams on our short list for teams to make a Super Bowl run this season are all guided by guys who have offensive backgrounds, who are offensive geniuses. The Bills were the anomaly to that, and I think we've seen, forgetting just in the regular season and some coaching mistakes, but especially in the postseason, where I think Sean McDermott's conservative nature, along with, again, his lack of attention to detail and having small issues and small areas pop up in big ways, He's not, I think, the right coach to get the Bills all the way to the Super Bowl. He's a great coach in the terms of what he built Buffalo when he took over, where they were a perennial loser, to building them to be a consistent 10-win playoff team every single year is very impressive. He deserves a lot of credit for that. He deserves a lot of credit for getting the Bills elevated to the point where we are talking about them as a playoff lock every single year. But now when you want to take the step from playoff lock to Super Bowl contender, I think Buffalo needs another head coach to get them over the hump and get them to the promised land in terms of winning and hoisting a Lombardi trophy. John is calling from Buffalo. What's up, John? Hey, how you doing? Good, man. We're hanging. Hopefully you are uh, doing well as well. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I would love to see Sean McDermott and train to the Giants. Because I'd love to see him win a Super Bowl. And he's not going to do it here. Interesting. And I didn't I think, think about McDermott getting traded. As a head coach. I just want to say thank you for letting me come on your show and I'll listen. Bye. Oh, well, appreciate the call, John. Um, I mean, I think McDermott's getting fired. I don't I don't think the Giants would want him, to be honest. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Maybe they would because, again, just like where the Bills are, or should say were, when McDermott took over, I know the Giants just went to the playoffs uh, last year, but you look at that Giants team. And that, that was, again, that was the exception, not the rule. They have been near the top or near the bottom, I should say, the league every year for the most part for a long time, really since Eli won the second Super Bowl. So I take that back. I think the Giants would would accept that trade. I talked about it in just the sense that you give a, a first-round pick. I think you still need to attach draft capital if you're going to trade for Brian Dayball, but including Sean McDermott in the trade, I think if you're the Giants, you would take that because you want to get to right now the consistent level the Bills are at of winning 9, 10 games a year and being in the playoffs first before you, then you could think about Super Bowl. So I like that suggestion of including Dayball, uh, excuse me, including McDermott in the trade there, John. Um, but either way, I think if you're the Bills, this is the last year of McDermott. And one way or another, trade, fire, you name it. You got to get a new head coach. And for me, for the Bills, number one on my list, Brian Dayball. Okay, really fast here in college football. This is an embarrassment this weekend. Like, we are sitting here second to last week of the regular season. Three games left before the final four teams are selected to make their push for the college football playoffs. We have three opportunities left for teams to make their final impressions as to why they should be one of the four teams left in the college football playoff. And one of the three remaining chances they have to impress, we are looking at a schedule this weekend littered with crap. Chattanooga, 
playing Alabama. F, uh, FSU, Florida State taking on North Alabama. This is littered throughout the SEC and a little bit in the ACC as well. But this cannot not be allowed going. Like, this is a joke. I know it happens every year, so this is not a, a new thing here. But the fact that you get these free games, these bye games this late into the season is egregious. It's bad enough when it happens in September. But at least fine. You have no preseason. You want to say, like, these programs like UL Monroe need the million-dollar check in order to get their ass kicked by Ole Miss. And so in the second week of September, that's what you're going to schedule. I don't like it, but fine. These games should be reserved for really September and September only. You need October and November here to truly be the best teams, the best games, playing in your conference to determine who the four best teams are. I don't think we should be sitting here looking at a schedule with Southern Miss at Mississippi State, Abilene Christian at AM. I get a lot of these schools are already out of the race, but this is how they schedule each and every year. November, especially in college football. Like college football, the margin of error is razor thin. You are allowed in some cases one loss, in some cases zero losses. It is really hard to make the college football playoff and win a national title in college football. I think that's part of the reason why we love it, right? Every week feels like a playoff game. You want to have these crappy bye games in September? Fine. You cannot have them and should not be allowed to have them in November. This is egregious. This is absolutely egregious. The fact that we're sitting here getting ready for the second to last week of the regular season and half the games don't matter. Like literally don't matter because you are not playing a real opponent. You are paying someone to beat the crap out of them for 60 minutes and then go home and just get another free win. You, you, you are buying a W. That is what you are doing. And at this point in the season, you should not be allowed to buy W's. It is frustrating. It's maddening. Thankfully, Washington and Oregon State is bailing us out with a great matchup. You got Tennessee, Georgia, which I don't think is going to be a good one. Maybe Tennessee kind of pulls a rabbit out of the hat here, but at least you got two ranked teams in the top 20 on paper. But to have half of these games this week, especially littered all throughout the SEC, the toughest conference in all college football, ACC as well, these bye games, it's embarrassing. It's ridiculous. And it should not be happening in college football. But here we are yet again. It's happening. All right. When we return here, it's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Continue to talk. Does it make sense to trade for a head coach? If you're the Patriots, are you trading for Mike Vrabel? If you're the Bills, are you trading for Brian Dayball? 855-212-4227. Also, when we return. There's been some discussion, speaking of trading head coaches, of Bill Belichick beating, uh, being on the trade block. I want to play you something from Rob Gronkowski to highlight if, why if you are a team right now thinking of making a move to bring Bill Belichick on your team, you'd be sorely mistaken. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Appreciate you making us a part of your evening right here on this Wednesday. Hopefully it's a good one so far. As you just heard from Rich Ackerman, we have officially found out the news. According to Woj over at ESPN, the NBA is suspending Draymond Green for five games for his role in choking out Rudy Gobert and putting him in a headlock during last night's game. He's also being uh, fined, or I guess losing, not fined, but losing almost $800,000. And in the statement, in the announcement of the suspension, 
The NBA says the length, the five-game determination, was also due to Draymond's history of unsportsmanlike acts. I think the NBA fell short in their suspension. I don't think five games is harsh enough. And I'm not even talking about going harder on Draymond Green. I think if Adam Silver truly wanted to send a message to Draymond Green to have him cut the crap, basically, and stop with these Bush League antics and ridiculous non-basketball plays on the court, he should have suspended Steve Kerr. If you wanted to truly send a message, Adam Silver, along with suspending Draymond Green, should have suspended Steve Kerr. Because I think right now the only way to get to Draymond, the only way to change how he plays on the court is by really getting to the only person right now that's enabling him. Steve Kerr is enabling Draymond to act the way he is because he always has an excuse as to why Draymond acts out. He punches Jordan Poole. Oh, it's no problem. He chokes out Rudy Gobert. Oh, well, Rudy had his arm around Klay Thompson's neck, so it's all it's all good. Draymond was doing the right thing. Anything Draymond does that's out of line, Steve Kerr has an excuse for. And part of the reason why you can find Draymond all you want, you can suspend Draymond all you want, why his acts don't change, is because his biggest supporter is essentially his boss. Right? Would you change if your boss, anytime you did something controversial that everyone else said was ridiculous, your boss kept saying, hey, don't worry about them. You got this. You're in the right. I got your back. That's what Steve Kerr does anytime Draymond acts out. So why would Draymond change his attitude, change his philosophy, if every time he gets into trouble, there's Steve Kerr to pat him on the tush and say, hey, no worries, buddy. I got your back. And then defend him in front of everybody. That's why if you're Adam Silver, you go after Steve Kerr. You send a message, not only Draymond, but to Steve, this is not acceptable. We cannot have a player choking another player out on the court. We cannot have a player stomping on the chest and kicking in the groin and flailing arms and tackling and all the other crap he does on the court. We cannot have that in our game. And the only way you do that is by not only punishing Draymond, but punishing Draymond's enabler, Steve Kerr. Sending the message, brightest day to Steve, get your guy in line. Otherwise, nothing is changing. This is what, the 500th suspension for Draymond Green? How? I mean, he's probably lost a million dollars in fines, maybe more throughout his career. Money doesn't impact him. Missing games doesn't impact him. The only thing left to do if you're Adam Silver is to punish the guy that lets him keep on doing it. If you want to hurt Draymond and actually send a message then punish the guy that Draymond loves and adores in Steve Kerr, that he respects in Steve Kerr, and have him realize my actions are now impacting the guy I love in Steve. Otherwise, I mean, if you're Adam Silver, nothing's going to change. He's continually crossed the line. He's continued to make a mockery of the game. He's continued to put other players, by the way, in harm's way. Like, he... Forget about Draymond. Adam Silver is lucky that we didn't see last night Rudy Gobert go to sleep and have a player passed out on the court because another player put him in a chokehold and knocked his lights out. You can't have that. 
But right now, there is nothing you can do to curb Draymond's um, attitude and actions because part of it is there's no fear. There is no fear from Draymond or any other player that they're going to actually face the wrath of Adam Silver because we have never seen it. It's a player-driven league. There is no fear of repercussions right now in the NBA. And that is part of the reason why I think you see Draymond go to the lengths he did where he went in there last night. He didn't care that Rudy Gobert was trying. Draymond used last night's skirmish between that involved Klay Thompson as an excuse to get his anger out in a violent way on Rudy Gobert. That was premeditated. You see the way he charged over and immediately took Rudy by the neck. That was months and years of pent-up frustration. All Draymond needed was a little bit of a spark to get it going. The, that little fracas, little pushing, was the excuse he needed to jump in there and go to work. And part of the reason why he felt no fear in doing that is because there's no fear of repercussions. Five games in November is a slap on the wrist. It's a vacation for Draymond Green. He has no fear. Whether it's from the Warriors when he punched Jordan Poole and faced zero consequences for it. Whether it's now when you choke out a player on the court and you're slapped on the wrist five games, he's going to relax, hang out, probably do a few podcasts, come back and pretend like nothing happened. And that is on Adam Silver because he has never struck fear in the players' hearts. And part of Adam Silver's problem and why the league is the way it is where players act the way they want and having no fear being punished is because Adam Silver puts the players above the game. You need to put the game above the players because that's in reality what any sport is like. We love LeBron. We love Luka Doncic. We love Giannis. Any star player you want. But guess what? People love Magic Johnson. People love Michael Jordan. The game of basketball didn't die because Kareem retired. Because Michael Jordan retired. Because LeBron's going to retire sooner rather than later. The NBA is not going into the toilet when LeBron James hangs it up. The game of basketball, like any sport, continues. The players come and go. But the game continues. And that is one thing Adam Silver has failed to ever recognize. And that's why Roger Goodell deserves a massive amount of credit. Say what you want about Raj. He is the guy who realizes football is what stays. The players come and go. So he doesn't care if he has to suspend the face of the NFL and Tom Brady four games for deflating a football illegally. He knows people are watching no matter what. Whether Tom Brady's playing or not, people are watching Patriots games. Whether you name it, any player gets into trouble, they are usually punished. Why? Because Roger Goodell knows no matter who is on the field, people are watching. I mean, do we have to bring up the ratings from last Thursday night's NFL game between the Bears and the Panthers? There is no reason to watch that game between two bad teams. Yet, a ton of people did. Why? Because the game of football, like any sport, is bigger than who plays it. And Adam Silver has failed to recognize that the game of basketball is bigger than the players who play it. He puts Draymond. He puts Kyrie. He puts LeBron 
above the entire sport. And that's why you see slap-on-the-wrist punishments like a five-game suspension for Draymond Green. And you rarely see actual punishment doled out. And that's why you don't see any players with fear in their eyes. With fears of getting in trouble if they act out. And that's why I would have suspended Steve Kerr along with Draymond Green. Draymond's numb to suspensions. He doesn't care. I'm sure, again, I'm sure he's looking forward to it. But if you punish Steve Kerr and now really have Draymond, have his right-hand man also be out, you not only send the message to Steve that, hey, get your guy in line, stop enabling the way you do post-game and letting him just get away with it, that could change Draymond. And maybe Draymond comes to the realization that, wow, now Steve's getting punished for my actions. Maybe I got to be a little bit better behaved on the court. That is a way better option than just going down the definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over and over again, finding Draymond, suspending Draymond, and expecting different results. If you expect a new Draymond Green after the suspension, you are not getting it. The only way you change Draymond, the only way you prevent these insane acts from happening on the court, I think would have been suspending Steve Kerr. In part because, too, like you hear Steve Kerr talk about enabler. This is Steve Kerr. Ready for this? Steve Kerr, after the game last night, defending Draymond, choking out Rudy Gobert. Take a listen. The Draymond piece of it, um, if you watch the replay, Rudy had his uh, hands on Clay's neck, and that's why... Draymond went after Rudy, and uh, that's I saw one replay um, right after it happened. Um, guys on the back of the bench were telling us uh, <clears throat> that Rudy had Draymond or had Clay, and that's why Draymond went went at Rudy. So that's all I all I know. Unbelievable! That's you know what? That's a standing ovation right there. That is telling a lie to our face and selling it. Steve Kerr's no no dummy. He knows Rudy Gobert was a peacemaker. Rudy's not in there mixing it up, trying to prevent two guys from going at it. And Draymond Green came running in there like a bullet train, grabbed the neck immediately from behind, by the way, coward move, from behind of Rudy Gobert and started choking him out. He was not doing that because Rudy Gobert was in the middle and had his hands on Clay Thompson. Nonsense. But that again is Steve Kerr again, Covering up for Draymond, making an excuse for Draymond. It is okay to chastise and criticize your players. You are allowed to say, Draymond should not have done that. He was in the wrong. He's got to be better. Steve Kerr has never said that. And that's part of the reason why Draymond, I think, just toes and toes the line more each time. It's ridiculous. And what's also ridiculous, by the way, in this entire thing, Rudy Gobert, the man who was choked out, is fined $25,000. What are we talking about? What did Rudy Gobert do in order to deserve to be uh, fined $25,000? He's the national embarrassment. He should get $25,000. He's a meme. Everyone is laughing at Rudy today. Friggin' choked out by Draymond. He should get 25K, not be fined 25K. What what did he do? Where was his role in an agitator? 
Where was his role in being a menace and being a negative to the situation? He wasn't ejected from the game last night, which means the referees during the game deemed him to be a peacemaker versus part of the problem. That's that's one where I don't get whatsoever. If you're Rudy, I hope you you appeal that and forget about just trying to get it wiped away. You should be owed. You should be compensated. The man was a national embarrassment last night. Memes are still being made from him. I feel bad for Rudy Gobert. He absolutely should not be fined $25,000. That is wild. That is crazy. All right, when we return here on CBS Sports Radio, the Browns have lost their quarterback. Deshaun Watson is out for the rest of the regular season. Is their season over? I don't think so. I'll tell you why. Not only the Browns are making the playoffs, they are still threats to make a deep playoff run. We'll explain next. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.